Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. The first stroke was with his fingers. The second was with his tongue. I collapsed flat on the bed as he got to work. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. Every nerve ending, everything that made up every molecule of me was focused on Simon's mouth on my body. Nothing else mattered. He kissed. He explored in slow, maddening lips. Licks, fingertips, dipped, stroked, discovered. He moved so slowly, so sweetly that I didn't feel anything build. There was no anticipation. I wasn't prepared for the orgasm that ripped through me. Before I was ready, I was convulsing against his tongue, his fingers, grasping in breathless circles, fighting to roll my hips while he held me down with one hand and his mouth gave no mercy. Claire. Yes, Neil. That was very spicy. Very spicy. Um, and I would normally love to hear more, but we have to do our podcast. <gasps> our podcast. A podcast. Excellent. Let's Hi, do it. I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck Mary Kill with the characters. We do, we do. Also, all the spoilers. So many spoilers. We're gonna spoil these books. So if you are even remotely interested in reading them, just go read the books and then yeah. come back to us. Yeah. And we'll have a conversation at your ear holes about this <laughs> about these books. <laughs> Indubitably. Um, Claire. Yes. I believe you picked the books this time. I did. I did. I, sh- I, picked... I hope you did because I sure did. No, I picked these books. I picked Well Met by Jen DeLuca mm-hmm. and Night of Pleasure uh, by Simone Anderson. And these were both books that are Ren Fair themed. Or be more like. <laughs> Splendid. Yeah, and both, which is, I feel like, a very good summer theme because there's a lot of mm. red fairs that are mm-hmm. in the summer before school ends mm-hmm. or are in the autumn, you know, the early autumn as like school is just getting started. So, mm-hmm. like, you can mm-hmm. hit some of the cooler times. It's a very like transition into fall sort of yeah. sort of thing. Great, great. But before we get into these books, Claire, I have been dying to know all day what has got you hot and bothered. <laughs> well, speaking of transitioning into fall, boy, oh boy. So I'm sure we're all familiar with the memes for Hot Girl Summer. Mm-hmm. And then the meme that quickly followed the Hot Girl Summer meme, which was the uh, which was the, the Hot Girl Spice Pumpkin Latte meme. <laughs> girl Mm -hmm. meme and it's just a lot of cute christian girls all in a line just being their cute very basic selves (laughs) all in ugg boots and sweaters ready to go out into their beige world um but uh, a lovely story has hit newsweek and other outlets and is on twitter right now that um the woman who is sort of the center of a lot of these memes who is herself an adorable you know christian woman um 
the the meme that was made out you know she did it was her picture and a meme was made out of it someone followed up with her and was like how does it feel to be a meme and she's uh the sweetest person ever she was like it's great i mean that's super nice yeah i'm basic i mean it's fine these are things that i like and i like them <laughs> and it was a good picture of me that's all over the internet now and i'm representative of the things that i like that sounds amazing <laughs> and she said and so the person who made the meme um is a trans woman and a year after the meme had gone out um this trans woman was uh was fundraising for her surgery and the christian woman who was the center of this meme gave a ton of money to it oh and they've chatted and have been friends and like like it's you know because she's like no 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 like it was a fun thing that happened it was a funny meme (laughs) (laughs) and and she's just like very sweet and nice and so and then like there's been other memes that have sort of like put her on a pedestal like (laughs) meet our new queen you know (laughs) like (laughs) but no and it's like this is what an ally is like oh okay that was a funny thing you did that is absolutely about me and my basicness (laughs) also here's some money for your surgery (laughs) like that's great and i was like you know what we needed some nice things in this world and i'm just glad that these two people found each other and made us a meme that we can laugh at with like genuine fineness like Mm -hmm. there's there's not too much deeper we have to worry Mm -hmm. about right now it's just guess what pumpkin spice hot girl latte fall whatever it is it's on its way and we can stand (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's laughing with not at yes oh very that's very lovely no so that is me that is what i was hot and bothered about and i'm very excited great i love it and neil yes what has got you hot and bothered uh a very old tree that's doing wonders for science Oh, tell me more. Okay. So a couple years ago in New Zealand, um, they were excavating uh, to expand a geothermal power plant. And they discovered a tree that had been buried in 26 feet of soil and measures 8 feet in diameter and 65 feet in length. Carbon dating revealed it lived for 1,500 years between 41,000 and 42,500 years ago. Whoa. So it is a very a tree that lived for a very very long time, a very long time ago. But here's the thing, it was alive during a magnetic pole shift. So the magnetic poles almost completely flipped, but <gasps> didn't. And then they sort of like went back and the tr- this tree was alive for all of it. And so they're able to use the tree to like study kind of what happens. And the big thing is like, oh, well, when the magnetic poles are shifting, then like the magnetic barrier around the earth becomes weaker. So then we get more like cosmic radiation and stuff. And like solar winds or whatever. So lots of radiation happens. Um, apparently we're due for a whole shift again. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, these scientists are like, oh, this very old tree with the rings that can tell us all kinds of sciencey things that happened a long time ago. It's very exciting. 
Oh, that is exciting. That is amazing. Yeah. And then um, this is not good for our listeners, but I'm going to show Claire and Christine. Here's a picture of it. Wow. It looks like a big dick. That's a, yep. That's a, (laughs) that's a truck right next to it. Whoa, it is huge, everybody. It's enormous. I'm I'm sorry I'm a gross person, but just FYI, it really does look like that. Like a little bit. Yeah. Um, We will post it. uh, We will post links to it in the description. Yeah. So that's that. I just, I saw that. I was like, science and nature are fucking weird, man. God, that's amazing. God, I mean, just the idea of the pole shifting is crazy. It's crazy. I mean, like, I don't even... Like, like the basic, the most basic part of my mind literally just thinks about all oh, the magnets will come apart. Like that's like, <laughs> a dumb thing that my mind immediately went to. Just like, oh, like I won't the, be able to put anything on my fridge anymore. <laughs> but literally that was like the first thing I thought of was like, how could we tell this was happening? And then like, there's a woman in her kitchen just cooking and she turns around and like the magnets just start popping off her fridge. <laughs> And thus we begin our like Keanu Reeves like movie about like trying to stop the poles from shifting. <sighs> Which good luck with that. Yeah, I don't think that's something we could stop. No, um That's very much not. I mean other things like there's been disaster news in the news because uh, there's like supposed to be some sort of like <laughs> I think they're describing it as an arc-like flood that's supposed to hit california at some point in our future oh um they don't well, i didn't really at least get into we won't it. have to worry about fire season that year i guess i mean the same way i don't really read any more articles about the the earthquake that's supposed to hit the pacific northwest mm. at some point or like the mega uh you know the mega volcano that's under uh Yellowstone that is supposed to go off at some point. Like I'm just not, you know, I can, my mind can't take it in that a disaster <laughs> that huge. My mind's just like, you know what? No, it's like it's not something we can prepare for. It's not something we can mitigate. It's not something we can do anything about. So it's just my brain's like, oh, I don't need to know this. I don't need to know this. Meh. <laughs> Great. And speaking of escapism. Should we get into these books? Let's get into these books. Well Met by Jen DeLuca. All's fair in love and war for two sworn enemies who indulge in a harmless flirtation and a laugh-out-loud rom-com from debut author Jen DeLuca. Emily knew there would be strings attached when she relocated to the small town of Willow Creek, Maryland, for the summer to help her sister recover from an accident. But who could anticipate getting roped into volunteering for the local renaissance fair alongside her teenage niece? Or that the irritating and inscrutable school teacher in charge of the volunteers would be so annoying that she finds it impossible to stop thinking about him. The fair is Simon's family legacy, and from the start he makes clear he doesn't have time for Emily's light-hearted approach to life, her oddball Shakespeare conspiracy theories, or her endless suggestions for new acts to shake things up. Yet on the fairgrounds, he becomes a different person, flirting freely with Emily when she's in her revealing wenches costume. But is the attraction real, or just part of the characters they're portraying? The summer was only ever supposed to be a pit stop on the way to somewhere else for Emily, but soon she can't seem to shake the fantasy of establishing something more with Simon, or a permanent home of her own in Willow Creek. 
So that's what the book says this is about. That is what the book says it's about. No, I have to ask you, Claire, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is this book actually about? <laughs> you can do whatever you want, girl. <laughs> can I just say something really fast? Yes, please. The very first sentence of this book is, I didn't choose the wench life. The wench life chose me. <laughs> and that was amazing. That was amazing. Honestly, there was so much that was fun and funny about this book that, you know, that was entirely enjoyable. So, yeah, uh, I would say the back of the book is mostly uh, thematically correct. Although Mm -hmm. I would say that second paragraph is full of lies. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That second paragraph is full of lies. Lies. Um, yeah, Emily has relocated to the small town because uh, her sister, who's a single mother of a teenager, has been in a horrific car accident. On and top you- of that, Emily's fiance left her after she worked to put him through law school. Like, she dropped out of school to work two jobs to put him through law school. And he was like, I'm going deuces. So she was like, college dropout, no fiance, nowhere to live. And then her sister gets into this really terrible accident. And part of his breakup speech, too, was also like, you know, I I'm, I got this cool job at a law firm, but it's going to be really hard for me to make partner if my um, if the person I'm with is a college dropout. Like, it just doesn't look good for me. Whereas the whole damn like, time, the plan had been that after he was done, that he would work so she could finish her degree. But he's a fucking garbage monster. Yeah. So... Yep. Uh, Fortunately, unfortunately, her sister is in a terrible car accident oh. and Emily like is able she doesn't have anything to drop. Like she's just like mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> my whole life is fucked. So I can come here and Emily is also hyper organized person who's mm-hmm. very good at helping others and we've already said that she is too good at helping others. She gives up large portions of her life for other people. Mm-hmm. And so it's just part of her modus operandi to just like give everything over to her sister who's uh incapacitated Mm -hmm. um so uh so emily like spends her time she's driving her niece to and from school she's helping her with schoolwork she's like doing all the chores all the shopping all the cleaning she's like doing uh driving her sister to medical appointments she's taking care of all of her medical needs like she's being a real caretaker Um, and then one of the things that her niece wants to do, Caitlin, who's an adorable, who is an adorable teenager and one of my favorite teenagers we've ever read. Um, she was outs- great. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of some rowdy teens that we've read as part of a book series that you can only hear if you're a Patreon, FYI. So mm, get on that. Those, but those are indeed my favorite teens we've had so far. Indeed. But Caitlin is pretty great. Um, Caitlin wants to participate in the Renaissance Festival and uh so about it emily drives her there and at that point at the volunteer booth they're like oh fyi teenagers cannot just participate they need to have an adult on on site the whole time for which i was like yes thank you absolutely do not work children (laughs) unsupervised children shouldn't be just around adults in costume like that's not okay So I was on board and Emily was like, fuck, but uh, I don't want to. But she also like, she doesn't want to do it. 
um she also doesn't have like an idea of what the scope of this is mm -hmm. is it just like a school thing that they do for a really long time that's dumb as fucking shit is it like the ren fairs that are like multi-million dollar enterprises like she doesn't know and she's just like i could fuck i guess yeah i'll be a tavern wench because i've already served beer before in my life so the the, the thing that cinches it for her because she's talking to stacy and uh then we see mitch come in who's gorgeous beefy and just like immediately walks in and is just like what's up everybody and everybody's like mitch so obviously he's a cool guy everybody likes him and he's so fucking hot and stacy sees uh emily like checking him out and she's like oh by the way he wears a kilt for red fair and emily's like sold i'm in i'll do it yeah. And in that moment, she's even like, oh, I'm going to get under that kilt before the end of summer. <laughs> it's like, good. Yeah, that's the correct answer. <laughs> she's like, get it, girl. And so and she's like, yep. Later, so she goes to when we see him in his kilt, we find out that because he, he, he like does fighting. So he's like moving around and getting flipped over and stuff. And then she finds out that he wears bike shorts under his kilt. And Stacy's like, I know it's so disappointing, but this is like a family friendly thing. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they're like damn it and fyi everybody mitch is great like uh which is great they set him up very much and they even call him the gaston type at the top of this book mm -hmm. so you told it totally sets him up and there's even plot points where it feels like he's gonna be a total fucking dick mm -hmm. he's not he's a great guy um he's a little like a little bit of a bruiser he doesn't always understand everybody else's feelings and emotions at a given time until the couple times that he does <laughs> right but it's also totally understandable and within character mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah, yeah. so fyi guess what everybody mitch is great mitch is great at I which point so emily turns around to turn in her volunteer slip to the person in charge and this is simon and simon looks like a stuck-up english teacher because he is a stuck-up english teacher and he um, looks at her form and he's like wow you filled this out wrong and he's immediately judgy and weird and she's like okay everybody else here is having a great time and you're being a dick <laughs> Um, and this is going to be our love interest. And what I liked about this book in some ways is he's not introduced like a love interest. We know he is because of the back of the book. And we know he is because there's a, the hate love dynamic is set up pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. But other than that, like a lot of this book is, feels more like a, um, I hate saying chiclet. I hate saying it, but I feel like it fits because that's what we know. Because this is her journey. So mm -hmm. we spend all the time in her head. This isn't one of those split perspectives where we spend any time in his. And so we don't get to see Simon all that often because we're really setting up Emily's life. Emily's life of taking care of other people. Emily's life of doing things she doesn't necessarily want to do. Um, Emily's life of being a super smart person, uh, <laughs> kind of, so she's, she can just kind of go through life and just kind of piece things together. And so when Simon yells at her, like, aren't you paying attention? Like in the back of her mind, she's like, I already know all this shit. I was an English major. I do not have to be like, Oh, this is when Shakespeare lived. Cause I know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Also, there's a point later on where he's like, are you even paying attention? You're on your phone all the time. And she's like, listen. 
I'm taking care of someone, so I'm checking my phone to make sure that, like, nothing terrible has happened to my sister while I'm here volunteering my time for you. She has a lot of really good stand-up for herself moments that I really appreciated. She does, that I, I also really liked. Um, so at which point what we've set, what the book sets up is that the volunteering, like there's rehearsals for like three months, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and it's every weekend and they're all, and most of the rehearsals happen at the high school grounds and then, and then they do a month of rehearsals in the actual wood where the Renaissance, Ren Fair is going to be built. And then it there's so magical. It did. And then there's like three oh. months, no, two months where the Ren Fair performs, but they just perform on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah, it was six weekends. Yeah. So um so oh it's a God. long period, but it's mm-hmm. not like ultra long and it's all encapsulated within like the routine of her life, which is mm-hmm. we start where she's driving her uh teenage uh niece to the Ren Fair, uh, you know, sign ups and so and we don't see her week, we see her is just busy with stuff with her sister and how that's gotta go. And eventually we see her meeting local townspeople and sort of like falling mm-hmm. into the rhythm of a new sort of life and the new rhythm of the town and meeting people through the Ren Fair. Um which is nice and she's good at what she does like she's when the tavern starts up eventually like she knows how a bit how a bar is supposed to work so she's able to be like well do this and do this and do this but she doesn't want to step on people's toes right away either so she's trying to be a follower and just be there but then she has to take over because these people have never run a bar before <laughs> <laughs> well they yeah not a bar just a tent with beer in it so, you know, so we see her having a lot of prowess and she also knows a lot about like the Renaissance. She knows about Shakespeare. So we get to that second paragraph and I do want to point out all the different things. Uh, the Fair Simon's family legacy. Family's a stretch. It's his brother's legacy. <laughs> the Fair mm-hmm. has only been going on for 10 years, but a couple of years ago, his brother had been diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and died a pretty painful and sad death. Mm-hmm. And he was a beloved figure in the town and among the Ren Fair people and to Simon and his death was awful. Simon took, Simon was always a part of the Ren Fair because his brother wanted him to like break out of his shell. He was this shy, like retreating sort of guy. And his brother made him this like swarthy pirate who's the black hat of the fair. Like he Captain is the Ian bad guy. Blackthorn. Yes, Captain Blackthorn. And so he gets to be fun and flirty and big. And we get to see that, too. We get to see that difference. Like, when Simon puts on that costume, he really embodies that sort of, like, fun, flirty guy. There's a part where, because he wears eyeliner as a pirate, and there's a part <laughs> where, where we're in Emily's head, and she's like, what was it about that eyeliner that made him so sexy? And then I highlighted that and said in all capital letters, everything! Everything! <laughs> I love a guy in an eyeliner. <sighs> so good. Anyway. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, uh, then the rest of the paragraph. And from the start, he makes clear he doesn't have time for Emily's lighthearted approach to life. I mean, I guess. I mean, she yeah. does. She's not taking this as seriously as him, but he uh, loves people who have a lighthearted approach to life. All of his other friends actually embody that. Like, mm-hmm. Mitch is his best friend, and Mitch has a lighthearted approach to life. So that's not a true statement. Uh, her oddball Shakespeare conspiracy theories, she actually doesn't have any Shakespeare conspiracy theories that she owns. Like, she thinks Shakespeare wrote 
uh, wrote Shakespeare's plays. Like she, she just teases. thinks it would be funny. <laughs> she teases him about the authorship debate. And he, like, gets so upset, and then he realizes that she's teasing him about it. And he's like, okay, that's funny. No, but actually, Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare. And she's like, well, but what if? And he's like, no! And it's a fun, flirty moment they have. Right, and so it, it is, and it is fun. And then, um, and her endless suggestions for new acts to shake things up. No, actually, she only had one suggestion for new acts to shake things up, and it was literally tied to her silly Shakespeare thing that she was <laughs> literally only using. I feel like the person who wrote this back cover only read have the book yeah 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 um and so it's like this weird and i i i I, it's silly to harp on this but so the thing is like once simon simon does seem to target her for his ire and for his like angsty feelings and so uh and she does like buck against that because she also doesn't you know she's she doesn't know why he's not having more fun at this thing that's supposed to be fun Mm -hmm. but when she realizes the weight which is pretty early on like what's going on that his brother died that everybody was close like she feels bad for like being so angry at him all the time and kind of wants to talk to him to chill him out he like storms in on her one day as she's closing up the tavern being like why aren't you participating in this other thing and she's just like why are you always on my goddamn case and so then they have an angry kiss and i thought it was a well done angry kiss i definitely thought it was one of those like we're fighting fighting kissing that i thought worked great like i thought like um at this point this book was exactly the type of fantasy I think anybody ever has when they participate in a new thing mm-hmm. that you're going to go and you're not going to quite like it. And there's going to be a hot guy and you two are not going to get along. And then you're going to get along once you're in your hot fucking costumes and you're LARPing it up and flirting with each other in costume. And then you're going to fucking kiss and it's going to be amazing. This is the, it, it did it. This mm-hmm. book embodied that fantasy perfectly um you really felt like you were part of the ren fair you really felt it around you the heat but also like the um the dirt and all of like the the leaves blowing around the fun like fair shit that's happening around Mm -hmm. um i thought that was all really really great and they're like emily doesn't act So she doesn't have a character that she puts on. But she did take theater classes in college. And one of them was stage combat. (laughs) I know. We don't get to see her do any of those things. She's like, hey, I I don't even know if it was like a minor or just some like GE theater classes. But one of them was stage combat. I'm like, I don't think so, girl. Anyway. Yeah, but it, it doesn't even matter. Like, but, we should have had her not do any of that. Like, Right, because, because also, it there were times that she's like, why are you people getting into this so much? I'm like, you, you obviously enjoy doing theater and you don't understand, like, not breaking character and, like, committing yourself to it. Like, what? Oh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I understand a certain level of cynicism about oh, Red Ferris. Sure. Because I have also you know had that level of cynicism around any sort of thing that's just felt like extended larping like Mm -hmm. you know like i get it i feel like her cynicism wasn't appropriately because the person who wrote this book obviously loves renaissance fairs Mm -hmm. like there's such an obvious love for them and so i felt like i wondered if the author had a little bit difficulty finding why people didn't like them (laughs) 
How could anyone possibly not like Ren Fair? <laughs> so, like, I thought she was just like, what is Emily's problem with Ren Fair? She just, like, doesn't get it. That's what it is. She just doesn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was basically it she was just like ah i don't get it why are you in the woods i mean i like the woods but i don't like the woods and it's like that's not a reason that's not i, I don't know i like doing theater but this theater y'all are doing is weird <laughs> like, what <laughs> Which, again, I understand the cynicism because I'm a theater person who didn't for a long time understand rent fairs. <laughs> but I'm going to throw this out there and say that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no. So no. anyway, like, um, but she does get into it. She doesn't have a character. She just, you know, she just tries to just get through this and have fun. Whereas Very everybody else. Because they all have to pick names. She picks Emma mm-hmm. and her name is Emily. Because she's like, it'll be easy for me to, like, remember to respond to that. And that's what's important. So, like, fine. And, and it's historically accurate. So I'm good. Yeah. And um, a lot of other, the Red Fair people are like, oh, so you picked the easiest name possible. Is that what you did? You're, you're, I guess you hate this. And she's just like, why are people saying that? And I kept thinking, because you do. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, like, you're so obviously cynical about all of this. Mm-hmm. Um but so, during, you know, with Simon in his pirate costume and being obviously a very hot man and mm-hmm. em- Emma as Emily giving him the hot eyes the whole time and him just giving them right back to her, they have this flirty, angry thing going on and they eventually kiss, which just causes like mind confusion for both of them. But then... Um, like they're trying to talk but they don't you know like they're at cross purposes still they're still angsty about each other which is when mitch steps in and is like yo he obviously likes you a lot Uh go to him go to him and just provides this woman with his friend's address (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so she just goes to his house and they have a a chat like adults and then they start fucking like adults and good Mm -hmm. for them (laughs) um and then they're dating not dating sort of like there's some more confusions because because Emily did just break up with someone she thought was going to be the love of her life. So she's feeling very tender. And she also doesn't know how to read signals. Like that was the only guy she'd ever dated before. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even really date. They just started going out and never broke up. So she's just like, she doesn't know what to do. And she misreads signs and signals all the time. Which got a little annoying. But mm-hmm. I also got it. Like I understood it. Like I wasn't like, it got annoying. But you know i in ways that was unfair for me because this was still like a really pleasurable read mm-hmm. um also one quick note when they do fuck there's because we needed it that simon hadn't had sex in a while i don't know but he comes up with a condom he's like oh good thing i still have one it's been a while if anybody says it's been a while when they're holding a condom check that expiration date stat yes Yes. No, get a new condom. It's, it's not a good thing that a condom has just been hanging out in a guy's bathroom for years and years because chances are that he's been taking hot showers and that has the fluctuation in temperature has affected the shelf life of the condom. So just be aware. Um, there is no shame in going out and getting a new condom or no. doing everything but insertion for yeah. an evening. Or some butt insertion. <laughs> I mean, we can do digital insertion. Digital insertion. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. But like, 
yeah so the two of them like start getting together and there's still some mixed signals because simon is also very obviously very not good at relationships either Mm -hmm. um and is not good at prioritizing or talking and so they continue to sort of flub up the relationship a little bit Mm -hmm. and then um the other thing is Emily is constantly going through, will I stay or will I go? What is my new life? What does this mean? And as her sister's getting better, she's starting. She also has that same problem with everybody else. This was what made that work for me, plot point wise, that she and Simon were having like um, communication problems mm-hmm. was not just a problem she was having only with Simon. This was an Emily problem. Mm-hmm. Emily had this problem with everybody. And one night she got a fortune cookie and the fortune cookie was ask the right question. And she was like, well, that's the dumbass fortune. But then she read it and she's like, oh, maybe it means I should really talk to people. So (laughs) she does. So she asked her sister, do you expect me to stay or do you expect me to leave right away? I can do whatever you need. And her sister's like, oh, my God, stay. You were going through this really hard part of your life right now. We can switch. I can take care of you now. And she's like, oh, my God, thank you. Her sister, April, is sassy, molassy, and the best oh like, so great there's obviously there's a point where uh emily and simon have a falling out and she's devastated and april comes in and is like hey we should go do something and i was like i just want to stay in bed all day and april's like i thought you'd rather want to do brunch instead and emily's like yes mimosas <laughs> i do want to do that actually. and there's a point <laughs> where, where uh, emily takes april to fair and april was like it's before noon and I've seen a man in a kilt. I'm getting a drink now. <laughs> she was great. I loved her. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like She was also very supportive. She A, unlike a lot of these books she re- read, she felt like a very real person. Like she felt like a fully fleshed out character. And she had growth too, and that like there was a day that she's like, I think I'm ready to like drive myself back to work. And then like Emily heard her go into the car, start it. And then a few minutes later, she turned the car off and came back because she was injured in a really bad car accident. So we see her sort of like deal with that kind of trauma. And then also she's so supportive of Emily. And there's a scene where after Emily and Simon have the falling out that Emily's like, oh, I, I fucked up. I did the wrong thing. But blah, blah, blah. April's like, no, you picked yourself for like the first time in your life. That's the right thing. That's what you needed to do. I'm proud of you. Good job. So I loved April. I just have to talk about how much I love April. Yeah, April was April was fantastic. And, you know, she wasn't judgy. She was she was nice. She was she was she's living her own life and it's hard and she's doing mm-hmm. the best she can in it. And yeah, and so she tells her sister, "No, you can stay. You can stay as long as you need to, and I will take care of you next." And that's okay. She says like the big problem with the big thing that got me through my divorce so many years ago was I asked for help and I got it and I Mm -hmm. accepted it when I received it. You know, even though our parents are annoying as fuck, like I asked them for help and they gave it and I accepted it. And that's Mm -hmm. what got me through. So, which leads Emily to then go to, she's been going to slash part-time working at this bookstore that is run by the queen Mm -hmm. of the fair. (laughs) Uh, And I found this so obnoxious. What? I found this part so obnoxious. I know what you're going to say, and I found it so obnoxious. Oh, where she goes and asks uh, ask for a job? 
No, we're because she's been working, and this whole time, okay, so she's been working and learning things to like help run the bookstore. And she's like, Chris is the the woman who plays the queen and, and owns the bookstore. And she's like, because also at this point, uh, they've hired someone. Like a teenager. Yeah. Or like a, a college sophomore or something who's like in town for a certain amount of time or whatever. I don't know. It's fine. No, she's literally a high school student because she's one of Simon's high school students. Oh, okay. I thought it was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, so she hired somebody else. And so then... Emily is thinking like, oh, sh- I'm training my replacement. That's what this is. Blah, blah, blah. And then so then she finally goes to Chris and is like, am I going to keep working here? And Chris is like, oh, I wanted you to take over. I just should have mentioned that. Like, that was a dumb misunderstanding that didn't need to happen. Yeah. No, I agree. That was because like Chris is like, oh, I was, you know, making this so that you could just take over. And it was like, no, this could have been mentioned or talked about. There was no reason. And it also was like sometimes a little unclear how much work Emily was doing at the bookshop because it felt like she went from, I will help you make your little cafe in the corner to, I guess I'm working here part time. Like, so, you know, that was a little iffy for me. And that leads us and uh, you're right. That was an annoying problem. So the reason Chris wants Emily to take over is because Chris's mother has had strokes and Chris needs to like be more of a caretaker to her mother. So she's going to need to spend like part time in Florida. Um, So she needs way more flexibility. And, and so then Emily goes to tell Simon Mm -hmm. that, um, that she's like her big news is that she's going to be working at the bookstore full time and that she's decided to stay. And this is huge because they've been dating. They're in a relationship. Like this is, this is a big fucking deal. And when all Simon takes out of this is that the woman who's been helping him run the fair the whole time is moving away. So now the thing is with this particular conversation, as much as I agree that Emily should have been upset that Mm -hmm. Simon wasn't taking in all the information, Mm -hmm. she was throwing a lot of information at him. Yes. (laughs) Like there was Mm -hmm. like, hey, this woman who has been like your number two to help with this festival just told me she's moving to Florida. And that is the end of what Simon heard. Mm-hmm. And like, as much as I agree. And the rest of the sentence is part time. <laughs> right. And as much as I agree that Simon should have been listening for the big news, which is mm-hmm. that Emily's decided to stay and their relationship like mm-hmm. has like a chance and all of that. Um, I also feel like Emily should have kind of known better at this point that this is all that Simon has been putting doing only two things with his life one of those is teaching the other thing is renfair that is it Mm -hmm. he hasn't even he's got an eight-year-old condom that they had sex with like it's (laughs) like (laughs) this is also the fight where because because okay so emily feels looking at her last relationship that she has never been prioritized she's never been a priority for other people before and she's sick of it good for her i believe that I support that. But then she kind of expects Simon to give up Renfair, like, not give it up, but to, like, 
step back from Renfair almost immediately for her, which I think is a little unfair. But then in this fight, she's like, listen, I know that you want it to be exactly like how your brother did it, but it's not going to bring him back. You doing Renfair isn't bringing your dead brother back. And I was like, whoa, girl, whoa, that's a lot. Yeah. And then I, mean, so I, was I a little agree with her. About- that I and that was a great thing to throw into the fight like it definitely yeah. supercharged it but I was also like that's deep and dark and god the m- moment some shit like that had fallen out of my mouth I would be like oh fuck yeah <laughs> so I was a little like that's a little heavy handed girl but then as she's trying to walk away he's like no Emma wait and she was like Emma I am not Emma I am Emily you just care about what I contribute to Renfair. Fuck you. And I was like, great. Yes. That moment. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I think Ugh. like up to that moment, like from the moment she goes into the bookstore to like ask for the job to the moment just before he says Emma instead of Emily, like, like that all, if I were an editor and asked for cleanup, it would probably be in that section. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's motivations need to be a little bit cleaner. Everybody's like build up to that moment needs to be a little bit sharper. There's so much that's going on that I think is great that could have been and was not part of this uh, part of this. So it's just like something that did show up in the back of the book. Like the summer was only supposed to be a pit, sp- pit stop. Like that's a huge problem for a relationship. Like, mm-hmm. Is, you know, has this been a problem for Simon since the beginning or was he looking forward to her going like has like, is there the reason that he hasn't used that condom for a while because he always has run fair affairs <laughs> oh. like, you know, like that's, you know, like what is there is a whole lot in there that I felt like just wasn't used. Mm-hmm. That was just sort of left on the table plot wise. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's a really small like issue because on the whole, like, again, when it got to that moment where he calls her Emma instead of Emily, it felt like a lot of the big stuff where she's just like, I want to be who I am and I want you to love me for who I am and I want to be loved as myself Mm -hmm. and I actually don't like playing other people Mm -hmm. and he who only can love people being somebody else and doesn't know how to love being himself that theme the smash together in this that mm-hmm. wonderful brilliant line and it was perfect and especially since emma was a name he rejected mm-hmm. and didn't think was good enough and then that was all he accepted her as i was like mm-hmm. great this is ah perfect yeah see i wanted more of the like emily and simon versus emma and captain ian blackthorn yes agreed like I wanted more moments of both of them in costume and not just like the like flirty stuff, but the sort of like them each using those moments to like be vulnerable with each other in a way that they can't be when they are themselves. Yep. And like through the lens of Ren fair and sort of like through the lens of their characters and then to have more moments of like, was that an act? It couldn't have been an act because nobody was around it was just us making out in the woods, which there wasn't a lot of making out in the woods, which I think oh, is I a could, missed opportunity. I mean, I really think like we had a couple more weekends where we could have been like going to the hilt where, mm-hmm. you know, both of them could have been full time, like in character, like just fucking each other and like, mm-hmm. and like using that. And then when they're out of costume, just like hating on each other yeah. and like, 
And like, I loved that there was this underground storyline that people might have been paying attention to of like the the dashing captain and his bride and uh, and like the the Herculean knight who also like had affection for her. And that was just like a storyline that was happening as part of the Ren Faire Mm -hmm. that people were just sort of following. But then behind the scenes, something else entirely different was happening. Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to lean into that more because it started and we just dropped it almost right away. Yeah. As soon as it was starting to like really rev up, that's when Emily has a conversation with Mitch and he's like, here's his address. Just go to him. Yeah. And then it's over. And then, like, to me... Okay, I I have to say, I really enjoyed this book up to a certain point. Like, the first night that I sat down to read this book, I read 80 pages, and it went by like that. Like... Because I was I was so into it. Like, I was loving the premise when it described when she was walking through the fairgrounds in the woods and just, like, how beautiful it was. And I was like, oh, my God, I've never wanted to do Ren Fair, but now maybe I want to do Ren Fair. And, like, I'm excited oh, for all the things that are going to happen. I started researching Ren Fairs. <laughs> <laughs> it was so great. And then to me, first, when Mitch showed up, I was like, I hope there's a love triangle. Because as soon as Simon shows up and they don't get along, I'm like, well, this is a straight romance, so they hate each other other so obviously they're going to end up with each other so i wanted there to be a love triangle which didn't happen and then i was like oh well i want it to be a lot of captain ian blackthorn and emma versus emily and simon and them each finding a way to like reveal not just like the sexiness but also like reveal bits of themselves their vulnerabilities their insecurities to each other through those characters so that so that like when they're in character, there's also like the emotional connection, not mm-hmm. just the physical, but then that didn't really happen. So it like, maybe this is me, but reading this book, I was like, Oh, it's setting up for this thing. And I am so excited about it. And then it didn't happen. And then I felt really disappointed because it is very well written. It's, it's, it's funny. There's so many good one liners. The characters are great. They feel like real people. It just like, sort of like for me fell through on all the things that I was most excited about. So I'm upset about that. And then also the one, the thing too, that it's like, Oh, so she like learns the lesson of ask the right questions. Great. Love it. It makes sense. And then it's part of her character growth of like, I'm going to actually vocalize and like get clarification on the things that I want and expectations. That's great. But the fact that it was a fortune cookie, I'm like, it wasn't, through Renfair, it wasn't a Shakespeare quote. Anything else that we've already been talking about? We're through a this fortune whole book? teller at the Renfair. Uh, yes, who is anything. just doing basically the same things? Anything like, like a fortune teller at the Renfair who is like, buy this dumb little trinket, and it's got a message in it, and she's just like, I mean, come on, I know you type these up at home, like, yeah, oh, it's like a fortune cookie, and then for some reason it sticks with her. I agree, like I, I. Like, again, I feel like a large part of the author's, like, thought process had to be, like, stuck in, like, this person doesn't like or care about Ren Fairs mm-hmm. and and didn't know how to be in that mindset. And so, mm-hmm. like, left a lot of stuff on the table. But mm-hmm. also, I think, like you say, like, there's so many things that were set up that I just kept having expectations for that we we're either, like, literally dashed mm-hmm. or, like, stripped away or mm-hmm. moved around. And so Another? then we get to after the fight, 
I feel like the next part of this book was just like an extended waiting for it to end in some ways because I mm-hmm. knew they were going to get together and I had a good feeling about how they were going to get back together. Mm-hmm. They were just going to like, he was going to give up a little bit of control over the Ren Fair because she had told him that's what he needed mm-hmm. and um, she was going to stay and they were going to do a hand fasting ceremony again because they did mm-hmm. one at the top in character for funsies yeah. for part of the show and then he was going to do one as part of like the big romantic gesture as at himself. the end. Kind as of, himself and, as, and her as herself too and that's exactly what happened that's and exactly her. it was nice the the thing too that like okay so she finds out that he's such an asshole about f- fair because he's just like so very sad about his brother and feels this obligation to like he's he's literally living in his brother's shadow and I get that that like that to me is like oh that's a legitimate reason for somebody to like be so demanding of people who are volunteering their time um because it's so tied up in this brother that like you've whose shadow you've been living in your entire life and that he meant so much to everybody else and there was this one moment oh my god it was absolutely beautiful it was fucking amazing where Emily realizes that Simon is now the age that his brother was when he died. And she's talking to Simon about it. And he says this is absolutely crushing. After he was gone, I had three years, three years of him still being my older brother. But this year, and she says this year, you're 27, which is how old he was when he died. So he's not his big brother anymore because he's outlived him. And it, it was oh, it was crushing. Oh my god! I highlighted that. I wrote, "Oh my heart!" Like, oh, was, oh god! And it's like, oh, we see how very deeply affected he is by it, and that was great. That is all great. That was wonderful. And like the 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 way that we got a sort of peeling away his barriers, so we see this moment it was really great. But then all of a sudden, she's like, "Oh well, now I'm desperately in love with him," and I'm like, "Cause he's sad." Like the 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 actual love part felt really rushed to me because so much of everything leading up to that was purely physical. Well, I'll say the love part felt really rushed to me on both of their accounts because I did not know why he loved her. I don't either. I didn't know why he was... I actually, like, other than being, like, the new girl in town, which is always who's Mm -hmm. of age and single, which is always attractive. There's... It doesn't matter whether they're attractive or not. Like, the new person in town who is single and ready to mingle is always going to be a level of attractive. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you get to know them and whatever happens. But so, I didn't know why he still liked her. Like, I didn't... Outside of, like, the initial attraction, I did not know why. Mm -hmm. And... um, so that was a disappointing thing. Yeah. So that was disappointing. I mean, they get together at the end and something that I thought was nice was that they took their time. They really, they didn't move in together right away. Mm-hmm. The epilogue has them like dating for like a year before mm-hmm. he asked, before he asked her to move in with him. And honestly, like he's going to move out of his parents' house that he's bought from them. So he's not living with his parents, but like that he never going- wanted to live in to begin with. Yeah, he's going to get his own place and they're going to move into that together. And then at some point in the future, you know, he asked her to marry him then. So, but if, which feels way better than the normal. And then they were getting married and mm-hmm. she was preggers, you know, mm-hmm. that I, it felt like a good timeline as far yeah. as like romance goes. But I, at the end of the book, like I knew why they liked each other a lot. Mm-hmm. I got that. I knew why they were hot for each other. I knew why they were on their way to being in love, but I really didn't know why they liked each other 
at certain points in this book and that mm-hmm. was a that was kind of a problem other than he was a sexy pirate i get the feeling like honestly like uh this book was like really well reviewed really you know she got like a lot of stuff out like there's a whole series i'm willing to bet the next couple of books are better okay the next book is about stacy yes and Who's... the third book is about mitch <gasps> uh, and stacy's great but she was a terrible head wench <laughs> She yeah. does not have organizational skills. No, but it's Mitch and Emily's sister. Oh, that's cute. That's yeah, cute. And I'm willing to bet that book is super fun and good. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, that was that book. That was well met by Jen DeLuca. Well met by Jen DeLuca. Well met. Well met. Well met. Night of Pleasure, Smuggler's Cove, Book One in the Smuggler's Cove series by Simone Anderson. Wounded in Iraq, Dean Hudson is forced to give up his dream of a career in the Marine Corps. Nearly recovered from his physical wounds that left him scarred, he resigns himself to a life alone and begins to deal with the emotional and mental scars the war left behind while he tries to rebuild a life. Having kept his homosexuality a secret for so long, he doesn't expect to find love or acceptance in the arms of a knight. On the weekends, a successful brewery co-owner, Dom, uh, Dom is not his first name. He is a Dom. Dom, Ethan Moreland, dons armor and a sword (laughs) and fights other knights. The adrenaline rush and stress relief provided by the atmosphere of the Renaissance Fair also serve as a constant reminder of the love he still hasn't found and can't remember having. When Dean and Ethan dressed as a knight, uh, when, uh, no, sorry, when Dean meets Ethan dressed as a knight, he never dreams that he will find happiness and love on his knees while submitting to Ethan book one in the smuggler's cove series mm-hmm. and that's what the back of that book says it's about actually it says it twice like the um the uh amazon uh the amazon description like just like somebody whoever put it in posted it in twice so it looks like the back is like way longer than it is because they just oh, put it too many times no okay so the biggest lie oh. is that this is book one in the Smuggler's Cove series. Because I looked. I was curious. There are no other books in the Smuggler's Cove series. And this book was written in 2010. Oh. So, okay. 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 This book. Um, this book. Here's the thing. It is not well written. <laughs> Parts of it are awful, but parts of it are also good. Okay. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> do, how do we want I, to do this? Do, do you want to just go through the good parts? Because there's a lot less good parts, and I bet you could just list them. Well, no, I know exactly how I'm going to start. Okay. This Ren Fair is a sex cult. Yes. 100%. <laughs> okay. It, the, book doesn't, the book doesn't say it. Okay, okay. So Ethan owns, co-owns, like is a third owner of a restaurant slash brewery. And then also daylights, because he does it in the daytime, as a night at a Ren Fair. 
on the weekends on the weekends while the ren fair is open a ren fair that happens all the time it seems like no there is a there is a bit where they are talking about how it's the last weekend oh right right right, right, right so he during ren season he goes and bees a night and is one of the bees a night he goes and is a night <laughs> he goes and bees a night um he's one of the quote knights of steel which that's the least imaginative name you can come up with. Um, no, especially since like uh, their thing seems to be dra- like tigers. It's like, why not be the tiger knights or something? Listen, it's going to be something dumb. Listen. <laughs> okay. So, okay. And then we find out that like, he's a dom. His co-owners at the bars, the bar are doms. Uh, Dean's sister hangs around with them and it's never really explained why like she's into BDSM it sounds like everybody's into BDSM and listen I'm sure the Venn diagram between members of the kink community and members of the Renfair community has a very large overlap that would not su- <laughs> that would not surprise me in a little in the least and and normally that's fine I'd be like oh it's just like a bunch of kinky people who also do Renfair together that's great but that's not what this was because Carla knew things about Ethan and his plans and his intentions that she shouldn't have known. Like, it didn't make sense for her to know, which leads me to believe that he's the head of a sex cult. 100%. (laughs) That kept going through my mind the whole time. Like, and the way she, like, got her brother involved and invested Mm -hmm. and then just was, like, helping Ethan the whole time. Like, if I had a sibling that came to me and was like, hey, um... What do you know about BDSM? I was like, well, I know a fair bit, but like not a lot. I've never participated. Why? What's your question? Oh, I think the person you introduced me to is way into it and it's scaring me. I'd be like, hey, then why don't you come home and we can like figure that out and deal with it later instead of being like, yeah, that's the way it works. You are now his slave. (sighs) Feel comforted by that. So like lean in, my brother, lean in, in, my brother. (laughs) Like one of the first things that happens after Dean and Ethan meet is, okay. So Dean is back from, I think it says Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. He's back from Iraq. He's been in a terrible accident. He's been injured. He requires the use of a cane to get around, but even still, he's like still healing. So like there are a lot of things that he still can't do yet. Um, and so he's living with his sister and her kids so that she can sort of take care of him. Fine. And then the first night that Dean and Ethan meet, Ethan or Dom basically decides, well, somebody has to take care of him and it's going to be me now. So off, off stage, he and Carla work it out so that, without telling Dean that he's going to stay with Ethan for two weeks. Yep. (laughs) And this is a good example of why it's a sex cult because Claire, imagine even, even like say, say you had a gay brother and you, you're like, Oh, I think Neil and my gay brother would be great together. So you introduce us and we hit it off. And that very first night I say to you, Hey, Claire, your brother's going to stay with me for two weeks. What would your response to that be? No, it's, I mean, I don't think that's appropriate. He's, <laughs> he's, he's healing from an injury that is mm-hmm. very significant, and he's going through some real rough stuff right now. Also, you just met. <laughs> you just met. I think it'd be a good idea if we <sighs> slow roll this. Or mm-hmm. also, did you ask him? Is this something he wants? <laughs> 
But no, this is a sex cult, so what Dean wants doesn't matter. And, okay, like, um, Ethan, okay, so we find out from the very beginning that, that Dean is a bottom, so that's a step in the right direction for these two. And then we, we find out right away that Ethan's like, I want him. I don't know if he's into BDSM. So I'm just going to like throw that at him and see what happens. And he comes in way too hot. And then after they, like the very first time they meet, he like runs knuckles, like two of his knuckles down Dean's chin. Like, hi, nice to meet you. Knuckles on the face. Like what is happening? And then like they have sex once and he's like, you're my boyfriend now. And Dean's like, uh, what? Um, so that was, uh, a lot and uncomfortable making. Um, and then also <laughs> the whole book, cause of course Dean isn't, hasn't, doesn't have a lot of experience with it. So he's sort of like sort of questioning this and sort of coming into it and does a lot of research off screen that we don't know anything about and we don't know his feelings about it at all because that all happens we never know his feelings about things unless his there. feelings are no i don't wanna and only when that's appropriate for the moment not mm -hmm. really for like what his actual feelings might be or when his feelings are i'm having a really difficult ptsd moment ethan fuck me as a form of therapy he literally says fuck me harder make it go away yep yep that is not healthy. Not good. Nope. And there's a point to that Ethan's like, I want to know how to fix this for him. Yeah, send him to counseling. Make sure he goes to therapy. Which well, he, see, he does at the end. Okay, no, no. See, here's the thing, though. It very, very clearly states because... Um, so it's the next day. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> And Dean is going through like the list of things he's got to do today. And he's like, okay, I got to go. So today is my day to go to um, the VA because I've got my physical therapy appointment. And then I also have my therapy appointment later that day with a counselor. Like, mm -hmm. And then he just describes, he's like, he just talks about how great the VA is and how they've got all the things set up for him that he ever needs. And that he's really happy that he's, you know, he's going and doing this. And that he can just ride on his motorcycle and get over there. Like... He's going. <laughs> yes, it does say that, but I got the feeling halfway through this book that the author forgot that they had written that. <laughs> they forgot that we already know that Dean is going to therapy because all of a sudden he's not. And then there's another point where he's stopped and then he never was. Like it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole weird thing. Um, well, one of the weirdest things that I despised was that because uh, Ethan was saying at some point he's like oh I don't know if Dean is going to be like you know is going to like this kind of stuff I mean he's a marine will he like taking orders and this was said straight faced Dean says like, that too he's like I'm a marine I, I can't like take orders I'm like uh, uh no like you are in fact submissive to an entire country like, yeah because it also <laughs> it never says his rank which I could not have actually been very high. Like No, it couldn't have been. So no, your was job still, was taking orders, bro. Yeah, he was still like a super young man and I, I'm sorry, Uncle Sam was your dom. <laughs> and Ugh. as much as I'm as much as I'm like, yeah, like uh yeah, a marine 
like like throw the word civilian in there like wouldn't like taking orders from a civilian Mm -hmm. like throw that in there because that Mm -hmm. sounds like that would be more true or you know doesn't you know what doesn't like taking orders outside of combat that's also sounds true like throw that in there but like as a blanket statement doesn't like taking orders Uh uh-uh no you're talking to guys who were like Taking orders is what I want the next 20 or so years of my life to be. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. It also, talked a lot of too about trust with like his, his core, like with the other guys, which mm-hmm. totally again, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. but we actually never talked about any of those guys, except that mm-hmm. he talked with them kind mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. they were non-existent. They yeah. didn't exist. Like that was, uh, there was no, there was no way for us to see, that Dean was any other different way than he yeah. was with Ethan or his sister, which is uh, submissive, doing whatever pe- other people say, and every mm-hmm. once in a while just kind of pushing against it mm-hmm. lightly. Um, there's also, this is uh, another point about important scenes happening offstage that will also let you listeners know what the hell is going on in this book. So there's a scene where... Um, they're watching the fight and then apparently this young kid gets so excited and just basically like runs into the match or whatever, like where the fight is happening. And Dean is the only person that sees it. So even though his leg is injured and they had been doing something earlier that day, so it was like acting up, he just like jumps and like you uses himself as a shield. He becomes a human shield for this kid and like basically has to wait for people to figure out to like stop the fight, which they do, but not before somebody like falls on Dean in armor in full armor. So it's this whole thing. And then something that I appreciated about this book is that Ethan, the Dom is like, well, if he's my sub, then I'm responsible for him. And that means his safety and his well being. And so he's like, I wasn't able to keep him safe. So that's like a failing on my part. So like that's something that he had to deal with. Whereas most of these books that we read, the Dom is like, do whatever I say, and that's the end of that. And there's no like actual exchange of power or responsibility or anything like that. So for um Ethan to be like, oh, I've failed this is terrible obviously this isn't this isn't working because i'm not living up to my end of the agreement and i'm like okay sure 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 and then there's a scene where for some reason the queen forces them to kneel even well, that though happened before so uh yeah and that was dumb dumb as shit but that happened before so like before this whole melee was supposed to happen like they're told as they come onto the fairgrounds that the queen is going to demand that the Knights of Steel kneel before her. And it's like nobody told her, like, hey, this is normally what we do, but somebody that's participating has an injury, so they aren't able to do that, so can we do something else instead? Like, nobody has this conversation with her first. Suddenly, she's just a bitch who, like, loves being on power trips by making people kneel to her. I don't know. But the, I, I got the order confused because those two things happen right after each other. And it's just right. like, what is happening? And it's like, the scene, the, the the thing that needed to happen was that Dean's injury needed to become exacerbated in a way that was concerning to Ethan. So we just did two right after each other. Yeah. Uh, and then I did love, quick aside, 
some one of the owners found out what this queen had done so they dressed up like the pope and they're like you're out of here so she got fired by the pope which was great anyway so then you know ethan is going through this struggle of like oh i did i haven't done enough to to protect this man that i love and is my sub and i don't know what i'm gonna do blah blah blah. and then he has the scene where he talks and he blames himself for it because of course he's like i should have seen what was happening i should have prevented it and then he has the scene with the other knights of steel where they're like no bro that wasn't your fault it was amazing what he did we think dean is amazing and like it was super heroic that he did that especially considering his injury and like it's not your fault we promise here's what i saw here's what i saw and then ethan's like oh it's not my fault i didn't fail this man that i love everything's gonna be great that last scene happened off stage completely entirely we skipped it all no not only that it happened at a weird time because so what ends up happening is uh like ethan and dom go back to Ethan's house or Dean Ethan and Dean go back to <laughs> Ethan's house mm-hmm. go back to his house and where they've been living together and you know in this Dom sub relationship and Ethan feeling so awful that he can't take care of this man like pretty much just like uh stops taking care of him Mm -hmm. like doesn't do anything anymore like just like well just stay up in the room and do whatever you got to do bro since you're on your own and just like doesn't touch him doesn't sleep with him they don't have sex like they don't like interact at all and dean over the course of i think about two weeks is like what the actual fuck Mm -hmm. like uh we had this agreement we had this relationship i was getting used to it and you're just going to abandon me and not only that like this is now a weird relationship. This is outside of even a normal relationship. So he goes and moves back in with his sister because he's like, fuck this fucking shit, which I re- was agreed with. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is weird. He goes back with his sister and then he starts drinking to kind of cope. And his sister calls Ethan and is like, you got to you got to come over and take care of him. Ethan's like, I can't, I won't, I don't know how to do it. And then Dean's father has to come over to Ethan and say, Ethan, you have to take care of this guy. You're the leader of the sex cult. This is your responsibility. Yeah, you started the sex cult. You You started the sex cult. You got to clean up after yourself, bro. (laughs) If you're going to be in charge of the sex cult, you got to do it all. Can't just leave people hanging. Right. So he goes back and he gets Dean and he says, you're coming back home with me. We're going to do this for real. I'm so sorry. And that's when he tells Dean about, uh, he's like, he's like, I felt so guilty. I thought it was my fault that you hurt yourself. And Dean is like, it obviously wasn't. There was a kid who ran on and I just went to protect the kid. And I just instinctually was like, I'd better like just go and get him. Like he's not going to hear me. He didn't even know that the kid was deaf. <laughs> that just went and like protected him. And then Ethan was like, yeah, I know. That's what everybody told me. And then that, then the thing happens where he says, you know, all of the other knights told me that. And it was like, when? This very when important did- scene about, about my character development happened off, off camera. I think I get the feeling that somebody told this writer of like, oh, well, no, all the scenes have to be them because it's the romance. Because there are no, there are very few scenes where it's like just one of them, right? And all of those scenes are just Dean. We don't have a single scene that's just Ethan thinking right. about the romance. Um, let's talk about the sex really fast. Sure. Um, it followed the same beat every single time. 
every single time they had sex, Dean would end up on his back because apparently the first time they had sex in missionary, Dean had never had sex in missionary before, mm. which I guess maybe, I don't know. Sounds um, crazy. Dean would end up on his back. Ethan would um, suck on his nipple rings, which also he is just out of the Marines and has two nipple rings. And I'm like, I don't think that's what I assume there are rules against having body piercings when you're in the Navy or the army, the military, the Marines, Marines, any of it. Um, All of those other branches got pissed for just a second. (laughs) So maybe... I don't know. As soon as he got back, he got him pierced while he was still in the hospital. I don't know. Oh, anyway. 100%. Like, he does not have those pierced while he's over. Like, yeah. no way. So every single sex scene, um, Ethan will suck on the nipple rings and then finger Dean, maybe suck his dick, and then fuck him. And then a paragraph later, they're done. And it's yep. like that every single time. But I would like to read a passage and then do a dramatic uh, reenactment for you. Excellent, excellent. Um, so this happened a lot too. So they're getting they're getting in it, uh, and then ah, Dean yelled, straining against his bonds, coming. So I just like to do uh, how I read that in my head, which is they're they're getting at it. I think he's like tied up. They're getting at it, and then just goes ah, coming ah. <laughs> As ejaculate <laughs> flies everywhere. Ah, like, like a muppet. Ah, coming. There was only, they, they had sex so many times in this book. There was only one time that it wasn't missionary. And that was when they had sex in the shower. Yep. It was great. It was weird to me. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there, there would be a couple, like one time he was like tied up a little bit or one time it was and, on the bed versus on the couch or whatever. But and like, it didn't feel particularly BDSM. No, it didn't. Really? And I, 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 I think that the thing that after reading several books that were more BDSM, like the thing about BDSM books is those scenes are long and a mm-hmm. shit ton happens in them yeah. or they're very short and only one very painful thing happens in them. Yeah. And then, and that's just like, uh, but you know, so I don't think this author is really familiar or knew kind of how to, well, so how to do those. Here's the thing. Also, um, we have to talk about the fact that Ethan has a giant Chinese style tiger tattoo on his body and that's not okay. Um, <laughs> just like aesthetically, that's not great. Um, there were things there were things that were like very poor representations of a healthy BDSM relationship, which we've touched on. There's also one that I definitely have to bring up, which is there's a point where Dean didn't understand the use of a safe word. And I'm like, well, if he doesn't know what it's for or how to use it, this is not okay. Yeah. But then there is a point where they're basically they they've they've like fallen to sort of the groove of the relationship. And then all of a sudden, it became one of the best representations of a BDSM relationship we've read. Oh. When, when in, in certain ways that I will touch on. But basically, when Dean became more comfortable with it and, like, the, cons- the consent, it, like, blanket consent was more or less given. Sort of like, I'm in this, so let's do what, what we're going to do kind of thing. Like, um, so... Things that I appreciated, even if they weren't executed well, is uh, it was emphasized multiple times how important trust was uh, within a BDSM relationship, especially for a sub 
to be able to trust their dom, which we have not seen. Right. Uh, mostly, especially when it's a dominant man and a submissive woman, it's about following his orders, doing what he wants, being mm-hmm. his fantasy. And it's not about trust. The, the, the very important trust that has to exist in a healthy BDSM relationship. So right. that was emphasized a lot. And then there there were moments that Dean was like, I don't know if I can trust him. Oh, I can. I can trust Ethan with this. So now I'm comfortable with this aspect. So I appreciated that. Um, as I said, there's... Um, Ethan has conflict over his responsibilities in the relationship, which we've never seen in a dom-sub relationship before. Mm-hmm. Um, there were rules that existed outside of the bedroom, um, which we don't see a lot of and is actually... Um, for someone who is into sort of a BDSM or like a dom-sub lifestyle as opposed to dom-sub sex, that is accurate. That like, um, you know, like uh, Ethan would leave instructions for Dean that sort of like put in this butt plug and do these chores before I get home. And then when I get home, we're going to sit in the hot tub for your leg and then be ready for me in bed so that we can have sex. So he like had instructions that were outside of the bedroom. Of course they were related to like the sexual dynamic, but stuff existed outside of that, um, which uh, is genuine. Um, And then also something that I found really interesting is Dean had these moments towards the end when he was um, uh, like really getting into it and being like, yes, this is what I want. That he had this sense of freedom of like, there's so many things that I don't have to worry about now because Ethan's going to take care of them for me. And that is, that is something that I've heard from people who are in like submissive relationships, not just like submissive sex, but submissive relationships. They're like, no, I love it. I feel so free because there's so many things I don't have to worry about because I trust this person to take care of these things for me. And then we get to have great sex. Um, so for those reasons, I'm like, oh, this is a a, a pretty good representation of a healthy BDSM relate- or dom sub. There wasn't a lot of bond, not a lot of bondage. No, um, I mean, there was like the hint that it was to come. Yeah. But I think I, I agree and I disagree at the same time because kind of the flow of this relationship was that Ethan sees Dean and sees him as weak right away mm-hmm. and like wants to take care of him, but I'm putting quotes around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so then like and wants to help him wants to get through but also wants to have sex with him wants to claim him wants him to be a you know his person his slave mm-hmm. whatever his pet like all of that the moment that ethan or that dean jumped over that rope and went into uh the melee to protect that child mm-hmm. it wasn't just that he was doing something that was like something that Ethan didn't agree to and that was like outside of their rules Mm -hmm. and then Ethan felt like he didn't protect him honestly that was the very first and only time in the book that we see Dean make a choice all by himself Mm -hmm. like in a big and significant choice and not only that but push through his wounds and uh, and do something big and be in charge like Mm -hmm. and be his own person and and from that moment, like, I get the guilt, whatever. There was a lot of that, like, mm-hmm. I didn't protect him, blah, blah, blah. Underneath that, it just felt like, oh, this isn't somebody I can control. I don't love him anymore. Mm. Like, 
and that's what it looked like and that's kind of like oh this is a person who's who's not broken who's not weak mm. you know and and the, it felt like uh, like a fantasy of somebody who wants to take care of another person and wants them to be continually broken. Yeah. It's not a perfect representation of a healthy BDSM no. relationship, but it had elements in it that we have not seen in other books. And I just wanted to like give no. you kudos for that. And it felt to me too, like getting to the point where Dean was comfortable being a sub was like really tricky and it parts really gross, but like when they were there, it felt a lot more comfortable to me. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. And I would agree to that. But again, I didn't like being part of a cult and feeling very cultish. It felt very like, cultish. Again, the author does not use the word cult once, but this felt like a sex cult. <laughs> it did. I mean, like, and I want to go back to the queen section just because that's where I, I think if anybody's ever done improv theater larping ren fair anything like that any cosplay anything there's always going to be a point where somebody does do a power play mm -hmm. and other people feel uncomfortable with that power play mm -hmm. and they don't want to participate but there's this like ongoing storyline there's the truth of the moment there's like what are you going to do break character not break character literally the only thing that has to happen is for them to no longer participate in it like mm -hmm. everybody can just say no <laughs> mm -hmm. because there are no stakes. The only stakes that Dean brings up in this, he's like, yeah, I guess this one time the queen did send Ethan off to like jail for no reason whatsoever. And, but I'm imagining Renfair jail, which is just like a tent in the corner. Yeah. Like, again, another scene that happened off, st off stage that isn't important until we mention it. <laughs> Right, and would would have been interesting to see. So in that moment, it was like the stakes are incredibly low. Mm -hmm. There is no reason to participate. There's no reason, and this and this is where it started to feel exceptionally culty to me. Not just like the language that everybody used around Dom subs, which seemed to be like agreed upon by a group that was outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it was like walking into a Scientology movie or something where everybody's mm -hmm. using all of the big words and I don't know what they mean, but they're talking about it. Like it's truth. Um, like in that moment, like this is like, nobody can get out of it. There is no actual safe way out. There mm -hmm. is no saying no. And so that's what it just felt like. That was part of their relationship. Yeah. The moment that, that Dean was his own person like Ethan couldn't accept that. And so then he was just in his house and Dean got up and left and he made himself weak again. He like, he got drunk. He like, you know, he made himself weak and that's when Ethan could come and take him back mm. was when he was at his weakest. I would have preferred to have seen Dean being a stronger person, like living mm -hmm. his own life to a degree and wanting or being to come a person back. at all or being These a person at all fully fleshed out characters right and like but even beyond that then i think i would be more comfortable with those comfortable dom sub scenes like and that lifestyle mm -hmm. if that's what mm -hmm. it felt like the book was selling yeah but it really you know and it, it didn't to a degree like mm -hmm. and then the other thing i was really expecting from this book like that wasn't there was that i really thought that uh dean was going to be shown how to be a knight and like how to fight and then like he was going to see this other side of like this sort of like 
this other part of warfare, like how you can still, like here's here's fighting without the fighting. Here's here's pushing without the push. Like here's yeah. all this, that was and it's thing. part of the BDSM lifestyle too. You that know, that was the thing too. Dean obviously had really bad PTSD where he was uncomfortable being in crowds with lots of noise happening. And they're like, just watch people fight each other all day. That'll be good for you. Oh my God. Also, they go to that same restaurant every goddamn night. I know. So there's a time when Dean's like, I don't want to eat there. And Ethan's like, fucking what? And I want to be like, yeah, just like go anywhere else. Go to McDonald's also, or oh my God. <laughs> another thing that contributed to the feeling of it being a sex cult is we have the uh manager of the restaurant tanner there's a point where it shows up and like he's being just i think it's in ethan's point of view is describing the manager of his restaurant and it describes him as having a haunted look to his eyes yeah and he's just there like anything you say mr whatever ethan's last name is anything you say mr ethan yes yes and he's like haunted and it and it it, my guess is that he's he was intended to be part of a future book, and we we're going to find out what that was all about. But it's just like a manager of a restaurant should not look haunted. No, <laughs> no, it was <laughs> disturbing. And there was also like this very weird scene where another one of the man, like the owners, comes in, and uh -huh. Ethan's like, "What the hell is he doing here? It's not his night." And I was like, oh, "Drama!" And then no, it turns out they just all usually aren't there at the same time. That's the thing, too. They've, they've been running this restaurant for, like, seven years, and each of them has to... One of the owners has to be there every single night. I'm like, you don't trust your staff or run your business well, if that's the case. Yeah, and also, but, like, the way it was introduced, like, what the hell is he doing here? And it immediately dropped. It's like, no, 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 it's totally normal for these guys to run into each other all the time. Like... Yeah. <laughs> God, it's just it like, was... so wait, what was this heightened, like, nope, not important, not important. No. Ah, coming, Because it's a sex cult. Because it's a sex cult. I think that's all I really have. Yeah, that's all I've got. That was Knights of Pleasure Smuggler Cove, Smuggler's Cove book one that is the only book in its series. <laughs> by Simon An or Simone Anderson. Are you ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? Let's play Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Kill. Ready? Let's play Fuck Mary. Kill. 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 Are you ready? Fuck Mary. Kill. Are you ready? Fuck Mary. Kill. All right, Neil. Yes. Shall we do it? Yes. Let's do it. Let's play Fuck Mary. Kill. Fuck Mary. Kill. 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 Right, do you want to go first or should I go first? Either way. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. Um, Neil, fuck, Mary, kill. Mm -hmm. A tavern wench. Mm -hmm. A queen. Mm -hmm. Or a pirate. Mm -hmm. I'm going to... Okay. I'm going to marry a queen. Ooh. Then we can be two queens. <laughs> I'll be the king consort. Fuck it. I just gotta like show up and be like, here's a new hospital. Isn't this lovely? Um yeah, I'll do that. And I'm going to um fuck a tavern wench. Because I can probably get a meal out of it. And then I'm gonna kill a pirate. I mean, yeah, okay, listen, world, I know you're mad at me. I know pirates are sexy. I get it. But do you know what else is sexy? A pint and a nice meal. <laughs> Which is why I am going to marry a pirate. 
Mm-hmm. Because pirates are sexy, and I'm all down with that sea life forever. I just don't want to get scurvy. Look, I get that. I get that. My pirate's going to be perfect. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to fuck a tavern wench because mm-hmm. that sounds like fun. And I'm going to yeah. kill the queen because down with the monarchy, baby. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I also agree. But also, like, yeah. I'm all it, about that revolution. La revolution. If I can benefit from the system, then sure, let's keep it in place. in my mind i'm just married to a renfair queen i like i'd marry chris even though she doesn't have good conversations to her employees about her plans for her business honestly these are all renfair in my mind as well like oh okay great great, i mean i don't think i could like if we were real life looking at real for real pirates no because they were so often slave traders yeah uh, also you'd get a pox uh, some sort of pox and like ooh, yeah. tavern wenches be dirty <laughs> yeah but you get a meal out of it at least one and a roll in the hay like a literal roll in literal hay yes just watch out for the manure okay claire mm-hmm. fuck mary kill yes lord blackmore which was ethan's wren persona uh-huh captain ian blackthorne which was simon's wren persona Ugh. or uh Mitch McGregor, or Marcus McGregor, which was Mitch's Renfair persona. Okay, I am 100% going to fuck McGregor. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Just going to climb that mountain. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to mm-hmm. be great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I am going to marry our pirate captain because, mm-hmm. you know, he sounded real hot. He did. And he knows Shakespeare and mm-hmm. uh, likes to give away roses. And mm-hmm. I'm down. That was um, another thing. They she made a flower crown out of long stem roses. I don't think that's possible. Those those stems are too hard. Yeah, I, also I don't thorns. Know. You got thorns in your head. Oh well, you can cut those. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I'm just gonna she assume they scissors know. Th- I'm gonna assume they know things that I don't. Okay. About making crowns out of roses. Okay. Um. And I'm going to kill Lord uh, Blackmore because uh, we didn't even get to see him fight much. I don't even know what they were doing. <laughs> like, was it a melee? Was it a real melee? Was there rules to this melee? Like, or was it like a stage fight melee? Like, what was even happening? It sounded. It sounded like a real melee. Yeah. Um, yeah, it did. The, it sounded. It sounded like kind of a. Like they were like each night they would sort of talk through the bones of like like what was going to happen and like who was going to win or whatever, and then the rest of it was kind of improv. Yeah, sort of like I don't a know. like I a think WWE I'm giving this author fight. too much credit. <laughs> uh, like a WWE fight, like mm, very much mm-hmm. like okay, here's like you're the bad guy, I'm the good guy. Mm-hmm. I eventually like this is the fight I'm going to win, mm-hmm. so you have to take a knee. Um, at some point I want like, and then here's a signal for this move and here's a signal yeah. for this move. But like in a melee, like, which is, I think what it was, it was like, there's like 10 ironclad people on each side. Like it's literally just fucking noise at some point. <laughs> it's literally the sound of like, it's just place for somebody who has PTSD for being in a combat zone. Oh my God. No kidding. And I think like, <laughs> and I feel like there's a little bit of a capture the flag element, a little bit of like a like a paintball feel like you're hit twice you're down that type mm-hmm. of thing because i think it's nuts in one of those yeah 
Anyway, I'm also going to kill Lord Blackmore. Blackmore. I'm going to fuck Captain Ian Blackthorn because he sounded sexy and he's wearing eyeliner. And I'm going to marry Marcus McGregor and I'm going to live under that kilt. <laughs> a guy in a kilt. And his accent was very good, too. Yeah. They, like, Emily made a point of how good Mitch's accent was. And yep. just, I want to climb that mountain every day. <laughs> That's what marriage is wanting to fuck someone for the rest of your life <laughs> indeed indeed great and of all the characters uh man um i think i'm gonna marry mitch okay like he was good-hearted he you know he knows how to swing a sword around he's good with a scottish accent mm-hmm. like that all sounds like fun um uh i think i'm gonna fuck simon okay um because he seemed like great he seemed good Mm -hmm. i think like uh even though i said like the opposite when we were talking about like (laughs) mitch versus simon in the last one which is their personas Mm -hmm. i don't know like i don't think i could deal with his like um normal everyday persona i don't know like he seemed fine uh but mitch would seem more like more fun um and i think i'm gonna kill um i'm gonna kill the side characters in night of pleasure like fine ethan and dean live your lives together you seem perfect for each other in the end get what you're going but like ugh, like the sister fine she can live too but like all of the other owners of that bar the haunted haunted manager manager. uh the 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 mean guy who sexually assaulted dean in the bathroom the queen uh out 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 dead 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 that's fair that's fair um i want to fuck mitch um there were moments where emily was like yeah he's super hot but also he does this annoying thing that i also found annoying and i'm like i couldn't live with that i don't think um but he sounded really hot and he sounded like he's probably good at the sex so i want to fuck him i'm going to marry april emily's sister because she was great she was sassy we would go to brunch all the time she felt like a real person she was very supportive in all the right ways and like i'm not a fan of kids but caitlin seemed cool Mm -hmm. like there was a point where um somebody got kicked out of like one of the volunteers got kicked out for having their phones out like out on in the fairgrounds and like simon is announcing this and then (laughs) emily looks at caitlin and they do like eye language where emily's like that's not going to be you right and caitlin's like totally totally that's not going to be me i know what's appropriate so i was really pleased with her anyway i'm going to marry april and then i'm going to kill ethan and hopefully free everyone from that sex cult (laughs) (laughs) maybe they would all be like not as creepy people if they weren't in ethan's sex cult maybe yeah And the books? books, Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay. I'm going to kill Night of Pleasure. Um, There were... Okay. I wrote the same number of notes for each book. And one of them was 300-something pages. And the other one was 90 pages. (laughs) 
Night of Pleasure was 90 whole pages, and yet it took me almost as long to read as it did to read the 300-page book. 100%. It was, and again, the things that I, like, pointed out that I felt good about, and hey, listen, I I do not live my life within the BDSM community, so if I got things wrong, listeners, let me know. Those are just things that from the the few interactions that I've had felt like good things to like give the author kudos for. But then beyond that, it's not well written. It's not good. No. There are some weird sentence structures in there. There are typos. Um, also, this, this author, even though actually it never says where it took place. No, it never does. I was assuming America, but with the spelling, we might be in Canada. <laughs> we could be anywhere. We could be anywhere. Cause the, well, I mean, it has to be America because it's the Marines. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. But but then center was R-E color or something had a U in it. So this is somebody who's not from America writing this book. Um, anyway, I'm going to kill it. And then, well, Matt. I think I'm going to fuck it. I really liked everything except how the romance played out, <laughs> which I know is bad, which I know is bad for a romance. But here's the thing. Like, these are well-tread beats, and I'm sure a lot of people are really going to enjoy them. The book just seemed like it, to me, was going to be something else that I was very excited for, and it wasn't that, and so I felt disappointed, and I don't know if that's fair of this book, but, like... But then also, like, there are... Like, parts of it are funny um oh also i have to say when she was like fair's never bringing back your dead brother i alone in my room at night said out loud girl (laughs) like that was rough sauce anyway i'm gonna fuck it why not i enjoyed it even though there were things that weren't what i wanted them to be overall it was great and just like the setting of the woods just sounded so great. I wish they leaned more into Midsummer. Well, they did Twelfth Night. That makes sense too. Okay. Anyway, um, it was be- it was fu- it was really fun to read, and uh, parts of it were really, 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 really funny. Yeah. What about um, you, Claire? Yeah, I'm gonna kill Night of Pleasure. I did not find the book pleasurable. I didn't feel like I. I felt like there was just it was bad it was badly written it was badly put together the characters were not drawn well Mm -hmm. uh i think if if dean had been given an ounce more like um actual character and some actual choices Mm -hmm. i think i could even go so far as to say i might not kill this book but i'm definitely gonna kill this book yeah um something else i noticed because of course i looked to see what other books there were in the series. I th- it seems like our author wrote another first book in another series that came out the same year that also only has one book in it. Ah. Uh, Oosh. Intentions. Intentions gone awry. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm going to fuck. Um, I'm going to fuck well met. I really enjoyed it. I've been looking forward to reading this book for a while. And I was looking forward to having a reason for us to read this book. Mm-hmm. And um, I do. I also feel the same. Like it was so funny. The character, like I fell into the story pretty quickly. It was easy to read and it was fun to read. Um, I, it drew the fair so well that it made me look at fairs. And honestly, I might go to one now. Like, I'm like, all right, let's do this. I've been to, I've been to one once when I was 
probably a tween. I'm trying to remember. There was one near me, I guess. I don't know. One year, my cousin was visiting. My parents were like, would you want to go to a Renaissance fair? And we were both into like medieval history growing up. So we're like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. And then um, I remember there was, I remember learning that broadswords were not sharp. And the point of a broadsword is they would just stand there and like slam them against each other over and over again until, until somebody was like, I'm tired and would stop. And that person lost. And then there was another point where somebody was a nun. And so they were walking around and somebody who looked sort of rakish as the nun walked by was like, I think he had a bell for something. So he'd ring the bell and be like, penguin parade, penguin parade. And that was it. (laughs) That's all I remember (laughs) from the fair. It was fun, Um, I guess. I don't remember a giant turkey leg and I feel sad about that. Uh, I've been to two and one was in Albuquerque when uh, I was in high school. And I would say it was fun. Like, like we got to see the, the, what is that? The Tabor toss, you know, where they have the whole light (gasps) pole. The Tabor toss. Yeah, the caber toss. And that, I thought that was great. There was a lot mm-hmm. of, like, fun game things we got to watch and got to participate in some, like, um, some. And, yeah, they definitely had the the full turkey leg. Um, all of us don't, like, w- didn't like turkey at the time. So we did not partake in the turkey leg. My mom was like, that shit's going to be dry and awful. We're not eating that. Okay. So I'm pretty sure we just had... Um, funnel cake and (laughs) (laughs) yeah because ren fairs have all the same food that any other fair does it's fine (laughs) just there's your green chili burrito (laughs) street fair or anything um and it was fine it was great there was lots of people Mm -hmm. dressed up there was lots of fun leather goods that were neat and like it was high time for like uh journaling everybody fucking journaled everything and so there was lots of leather journals to be had which was my Mm -hmm. favorite thing Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. And then I was in a Ren fair in Germany, which is entirely different because they are way more about accuracy. And also it was to celebrate the 800th uh, year birthday of the town we were in. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. So and they had like a parade. Was and, there a lot of beer? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, they... Okay. Not that I partook in. They had some, you know, archery stuff. They Ooh. didn't do, like, America's big on a lot of things. Ren Faire that also has to do with Scotland. Mm. Um, even, like, looking up, like, books about, like, what uh, what romance books take place in the Renaissance. Like, a lot of Scottish books came up. Like, here's some yeah, Highlander our, books. Our Ren Faire is, like, English Renaissance, usually. Yeah. So, Not, like... <laughs> learn about anatomy at the italian renaissance fair <laughs> right yeah so uh the german renaissance fair was very much a german renaissance fair here's mm-hmm. the shit that was happening in germany during the renaissance yeah, that none yeah, of yeah. you d- dumbass americans know but my favorite part of that was that there was a um bunny rabbit booth you got <gasps> to cuddle bunny rabbits <laughs> oh my fucking god <laughs> Where is that in my life? So that was that was pretty darn delightful. So yeah, I'm gonna fuck well met. I don't know if I said that, but (laughs) yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, great, great, marvelous. Um, You know what? Yes, I think we need to play our favorite game. I think we need to play our favorite game as well. (gasps) Christine, yes, excellent, excellent. Hello. 
Hello. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Hello. So one of these. I am attending this portion. <laughs> All right. One of these has like three titles, so I'm a little confused. Oh boy. Um. How you picked these books, and you're confused. Yeah, I know. Okay, okay. I'm gonna. Okay. I'm gonna cheat. Of course. And leave off one of the bits, but say most of this title for this one book, and then the other one I'm gonna say the whole title. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I make everything <laughs> much more complicated than it needs to be. Um, for our next episode, we are reading Azagoth, A Thousand One Dark Nights, Book One by Larissa Ione. I'm assuming is how you say her name. And Damned If You Do by Marie Sexton. <gasps> is this about the devil or demons? Yes. <gasps> <laughs> Yes, so we are reading, to give full titles, Azagoth, a Demonica Underworld Novella, A Thousand One Dark Nights, Book One. So the thing is, I think it is a spinoff of a series called Demonica Underworld, but then also the beginning of another series called A Thousand One Dark Nights. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't understand. But we're reading Azagoth, a Demonica Underworld novella, a Thousand One Dark Nights, book one by Larissa Ione, and Damned If You Do by Marie Sexton. And these are both about demons. Oh, excellent, excellent, God. excellent. I'm very mm-hmm. excited about this. <laughs> that was the least climactic edition oh. of Christine Guess. I ever. know. Well, hey. <laughs> Good job. It's, does it, is it satisfying like if you'd guessed Wordle in one, in one guess? Oh my god. The dream, the unattainable goal of, of guessing Wordle in one. Yes. Well, unattainable for some. Oh. Listen, I just swooped my hair because very Neil luckily. Neil has gotten it in one. I, I have once gotten Wordle in one go and I was ready to just lie down and die because it's all downhill from there. You're, you have achieved the greatest success. There's nothing else to live for. No. Other than funnel cake. Oh, my God. Funnel cake. I can't even. Re- oh, I remember the last time I had funnel cake. It was too, too long ago. Well. Anyway. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Christine. Thank you, authors. Thank you so much, mm. authors. We, of course, um, do same mean bitchy things about books, and that is the job that we have assigned ourselves. Yep. But as Neil likes to say, jokes on us because we did buy these books. Yeah, yeah. You Try have it. our money, so what the fuck do we know? And thank you, listeners. Thank you You're so much, listeners. The best. So oh. sexy. Please uh, rate, review, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell your lovers. Tell your knights, your pirates. Tell everyone about us. And if you are able to, please support us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash FMKLitPod. Where you will support us so we can keep doing this. And then also... Um, here's some really great stuff. Like just earlier today, we recorded a Patreon exclusive episode where we finished an entire book series. Claire and I read the very first one, our Mystic Springs Bigfoot book, and Christine took it upon herself to read the rest of the series and tell us about it. So those are those are going to be up on our Patreon. I have never read romance novels. I did not expect to enjoy 
paranormal romance and it was delightful oh my god linda my favorite genius author everybody <laughs> go to our patreon listen to me just jabber on about it yeah it's great it's great uh the link is in the description but again that's patreon.com slash fmk lit pod and i guess that's all we have to say other than if you can do so safely and consensually and maybe in the woods mm. and in a relationship where there is full trust mm-hmm. and wearing a bodice then keep, keep.